It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Yeah, well, it doesn't stop, Rich, does it? I mean, it goes on and on and on. The confusion. I am reaching a point where I'm hearing so many people talk over each other and argue back and forth, back and forth. I'm, I'm kind of thinking, can I please just have some news? Can I please just have some honest, straightforward facts of what's happening so I can follow what's going on without all of, all of the, what should I call it, the confusion, I guess? Well, you know, it's interesting you use the word confusion because the Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion, but he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Now, I tell you what, that ties right into the song that I want to open the program with, because this is what we need. Listen, Bot Radio Network family, this is what we need more than anything else right now. Here it is. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong I'll be satisfied as long as I walk let me walk close to thee just a closer walk with thee Is my belief daily walking close to thee? Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. When my feeble life is old. President Trump visited Kenosha, Wisconsin. 
Uh, that's interesting. You know, Kenosha, Wisconsin, isn't exactly New York City or Los Angeles or some big metropolitan area. But the problems we have in America seem to be everywhere. And so he visited Kenosha, Wisconsin. Tell us about what happened. Well, yes, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, there was a, a shooting of a police of a black man, and yeah. uh, they had responded to reports of domestic disturbance. But anyway, that shooting then set off uh, waves of riots, looting, and arson. President Trump flew to Kenosha, Wisconsin. He met with business leaders whose businesses had been burned and they'd lost all their business. And then he met with community leaders and 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 lawful leaders, including like. Attorney General William Barr, Ron Johnson, the yeah. senator from Wisconsin, the congressman, yeah, chief of police, homeland you know security, what? and Christian leaders. And he included in the group the pastors of the family of this man that was shot, and his name was Jacob Blake. Yeah. But then, right in the middle of the meeting, he paused and right, now, asked— wait a minute, Now, wait a minute, Rich. I want the people to catch this, because what you have is somewhat of an impromptu gathering there. And they're right in the middle of the meeting— uh, well, he's looking around and he kind of, who's here, who's here? People hearing this on the complete story probably didn't catch in the news. Most of the news didn't even carry it, but go on and tell But this is happened. wonderful because the pastor, James E. Ward, Jr., and his co-pastor wife, Sharon, uh, spoke then, and uh, the pastor Ward uh, prayed a, a beautiful prayer, and then uh, Sharon uh, spoke a few words, and she in- introduced herself as an intercessor. They explained the difference between civil law and spiritual law and moral law, and how the legal officials can talk about the civil law, but the moral law yeah. and the spiritual law is equally important if we're ever going to have good civic life. Right, and so they, they offered themselves to help and, and pray. All right, let's hear it. Pastors, would you like to say a prayer? Yes, sir. I'd love to have that because uh, you are so highly thought of in the area. So please, James, share. Sure, you should pray. Please. Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for this time that you divinely ordained. Father, we ask you to forgive us all where we've strayed from your ways and where we've not acknowledged your word. We ask that you would continue to cause this nation to be one nation under God, that you alone are the one who can make us individual, indivisible. And by being indivisible, there will be liberty and justice for all. We simply pray that you would bring our nation back to you, that your word will be dominant, that you would cause us uh, to walk in love, to live in love, restore empathy and compassion, kindness, concern for each other. Lord, I pray for our president, as your word says, that you would strengthen him and continue to give him the wisdom and the heart to lead during this time, as well as, as all of the leaders that are here. We give ourselves to you, and we ask you for your good hand to be upon us. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Sharon, would you like to say something? I, I would. Um, I think I'm here, first of all, representing intercessors and people that are praying. Just really, I think we need to mobilize people of prayer to pray for this country. And also, I think it's important to have um, black people at the table yeah. um, to, to help you know, solve the problem and also I think James and I, our, our prayers that we're able to work to really bring about a change. I think there's a lot of great change that's been mentioned here um, of how law enforcement has quickly solved the problem of 
the crime in the street, but I think this is a good opportunity for us to really solve the problem in the nation. I think James and I could help with that. Sir. That's really well put. Yes, James. And Mr. President, if, my, if I may add, being the only pastors in the room, if I could maybe just share a little bit from a different perspective that I think would bring, bring balance. I have a great friend who is Chief Tony Scarpelli, the chief of police in the town where our church is. Right. And I talk about the partnership between pastors and police, and I often tell Tony that if we can do our job well, it will make his, his job easier. That's because there are three types of law that govern a society. There's spiritual law, moral law, and civil law. Most of the conversation here today has been about civil law, but until we can really focus on spiritual and moral law and change the hearts of people, we'll have to continue to, to build bigger jails and bigger prisons until we can bring our nation back to the place of, of spiritual and moral law. Um, we certainly want to honor Julia Jackson. We're her pastors. We're not the pastor of the entire family, but Please. we honor her. You know that. Yes, sir. I will give her your you know regards. Thank you. And we certainly pray for Jacob's continued healing, and we pray for peace. But I just want to offer to you, Mr. President, that um, Jesus himself says, blessed are the peacemakers. And we want to help be of service to you and to our nation of having these conversations of how do we rebuild the foundations of spirituality and morality, which gives us the context of, of love. If you give a righteous, good, moral man the launch codes to our nuclear arsenal, Everyone will be safe because he's a good man. But if you give a malicious man who is immoral an ink pen, you have to fear for your life. I, I would just want to, want to say that we're here to be of service to you and to our country to bring unity. Um, we believe that we can help to listen with empathy and compassion to the real pain that, that hurts black Americans. But we want to be of service to you and to our nation to do whatever we can uh, to bring true healing, true peace, and to really see God's very best in our nation. We're here available. We're available anytime you will call upon us. So you know what I think? I yes, think sir. you're an incredible couple. I really do. I think thank you're an incredible couple. Thank you. And thank you very much for being here. Yes, sir. Um, now, folks, you didn't hear that on the news, did you? You should have. That's the President of the United States a meeting with the, the people there in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where the rioting and, and, the, and the looting and then this tragedy and, and the shooting has taken place. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it gets down to brass tacks. What were you going to say, Rich? And that's where we come together, Dad. At the foot of the cross is where we come together. Yeah, that's right. Now listen, folks, let's transfer now to Memphis, Tennessee. You see, Bot Radio Network covers all the way from Texas clear up into Indiana. So in Memphis, Tennessee, um, Reverend John DeBerry, he's also a Tennessee a legislator, and uh, and uh, and his family started. It was his mother and father, I think he said, started voting uh, Democrat uh, years and years ago. And he was just a youngster, I guess, when uh, John Kennedy was president. Something that happened then that caused them to break away from the rest of the family. But it isn't party, folks. Listen, it's not party. What it is is principle and what you genuinely believe. Now, I tell you, in my own case, and Rich, I think, will verify this, we started taking all of these things seriously in the early 90s, the late 80s, the early 90s, and it was the life question. Abortion, for goodness sakes. What do you mean by abortion, for goodness sake? Is that really the life of a little living human being? Is that really the case? 
And I'll tell you, that's what really woke us up, too. And then I started taking education seriously, where those little kids are concerned. Are you getting the point, folks? It's about the children. It's about the least of these. It's about helping the little ones, because that's what the abortion question is about. Do we care? The next thing is education. Do we have good schools? So when they enter grade school, first grade, second grade, third grade, somebody is going to love them and teach them and give them the power of knowledge. And so education was very important. This school choice uh, business now that the president wants, that's so every child, every child can get a good education. Um, Otherwise, the parents will put them in another school without a problem. And the other is freedom, equal opportunity under the law, but also freedom because of the heart of the people demands it. So anyway, John DeBerry, um, he spoke at the Tennessee legislature just recently because because of his belief in life and then in education and then in these other things. There was a committee there of Democrat big shots, and they just said, we don't want John DeBerry on the, on the ticket as a Democrat anymore. So they just took him off. But the whole legislature said, well, we're going to pass a law then that he can run as an independent. He can run as an independent. He'd been serving the people of his district for 26 years, 26 continuous years. All of a sudden, because of his beliefs and his principles, they didn't want him anymore. So he is running as a as an independent, but this is what he said just a few days ago to in the Tennessee legislature. Here it is. I rise because I continue to hear references to what I saw in growing up in this country and growing up in the state of Tennessee as I walked uh, with my father and worked work with my father here in the state of Tennessee, in Memphis, Tennessee, and, acro- and across this state and across this country. Uh, in the middle of what has been referenced to on several occasions, the civil rights movement. And you know, people continue to refer to this, but I saw it. I saw men and women stand with courage and integrity and class, and they changed the world. They changed the world because what the world could see in them was the lie that was being told about them. I am one of those individuals who walked in back doors because the law said I had to. I'm one of those individuals who rode on the back of the bus on the back seats that were not cushioned because the law said I had to. I went to the water and drank colored water because the law said I had to. I went to a school where everybody looked like me and the country was divided and segregated because the law said that I had to. So all of these things we continue to refer to are the things that me and my generation lived. We saw it for ourselves. We're not reading it in the history books, but we lived it. I went with my father when he and our neighbor got one of those I am a man signs and went downtown Memphis and watched him stand there proudly with Dr. King and other men and women, black and white, who had enough courage to stand up against what was wrong. And the way they did it, they had on their suits, their shirts, their ties, 
hats, and if it was cold, their overcoats, they locked arms, and they marched peacefully. And Dr. King stood for that which was peaceful. Because the world took a look at what was happening in Memphis, in Chicago, in Detroit, in Washington, D.C., and all over this country, we changed the entire world. And we changed it because those men and women had enough guts, integrity, enough citizenship and love of country because my father was a Korean War era soldier as many of those other men and women were. They didn't beg for anything. They didn't beg for citizenship. They demanded it. Because they were American citizens who paid taxes, who raised children, who paid house notes and rent, and did everything they were supposed to do so that they could demand from this country and its constitution those things that they were supposed to have. How did they do it? They did it by standing like men and women of integrity and class and common sense and values. When the riots started and folks started burning stuff down, that's when my father took my arm and we left. We left because that was not what we were there for. That was not what Dr. King was there for. That was not what others who are famous in the civil rights days were there for. This was not peaceful. It was not part of our movement and it only hurt everything. My family raised money and sent my dad to Washington for that march. But that man stood there and said that he wanted his children judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And all we do in America right now is talk about color. Every issue, every issue is about race, it's about color. Instead of us sitting down at the table like men and women of common sense and common justice and understanding that our enemies are looking with a greedy vigilance Upon us as we tear ourselves apart eternally. They have been watching us for 50 years preparing step by step by step by step for us to kill ourselves. And I may not be back here next year. And I'm sure everything I say is going to be misconstrued and misquoted and used against me in November. Fine. Fine, because I stand for my father's legacy. I stand for the men and women who acted like they had some sense and some courage and changed this country by being men and women who stood for something. If we don't start standing for something, don't you know that the people who are looking at what's happening in Washington, in Detroit, in Portland, in Seattle, they're getting emboldened because we act like a bunch of punks, too frightened to stand up and protect our own stuff. You tell me that somebody got the right to tear down property that Tennessee taxpayers paid for? that American taxpayers paid for, and somebody has the right to destroy it, deface it, and tear it down? What kind of people have we become that we can't protect our own stuff? Peaceful protest ends peacefully. Anarchy ends in chaos. And what we see happening right now 
any of us with any common sense, any common sense whatsoever, know that what we see is not peaceful. So we can continue to fool ourselves and mix with words and use rhetoric and public relations in order to frost this stuff over and put a nice picture on what we see that is frightening. Frightening? I have a nephew who is a policeman who talked about getting attacked the other night. You're telling me that somebody has the right to throw feces and urine in the face of those that we as taxpayers pay to protect us, and that's okay? What has happened to us? If we don't get this right right now, I've got grandchildren. I don't want to see the country we're going to have 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. If we don't start acting like we got some guts, right now, brethren, sistering, friends, colleagues, right now. And that's something, right now. That was um, Representative John DeBerry in the legislature in Tennessee just a few days ago because the party that he had identified with, the Democrat Party, they said, we don't want him anymore. Right. We don't want him anymore, so he's running now as an independent. Represents the 90th district in Memphis. And I'll tell you, when I understood that he supports life and opposes abortion, that's killing a life, folks. There's no, there's no misunderstanding that. Those are the facts. And then educational choice. So every child, every child can have a good education in a good school. My word, my word, I understand. I understand that the prison system will figure out how many prison cells they're going to have to have, depending on how the fourth graders are, are doing at any given year and how, how large the class is. Well, we need to reverse that for sure. And that's what that's all about. That's what Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos is really working toward. Of course, the teachers' union, the unions, they don't want that. They want things to just roll along as they have been. And then freedom. Freedom. Equal opportunity. Equal opportunity to let your skills and your knowledge and your fervor and what you want to have access like everybody else. That's what it's about, isn't it, Rich? It sure is. Um, now, how would people get a hold of John DeBerry or support him or encourage him? I guess you would just Google it, John DeBerry, D-E-B-E-R-R-Y. Um, Representative John DeBerry or Pastor John DeBerry, they're in Memphis, D-E-B-E-R-R-Y, John DeBerry. And you want to encourage him, you want to support him, you don't have to live in his district in order to support a good man. And that's what he stands for. So anyway, that's that was a good thing, wasn't it? Absolutely. He represents District 90 in Memphis. All right. Now, uh, Mr. Producer, um, we have some listener comments. I love it when the listeners call us and leave a word of encouragement or they have a question that they want. What, what do we have we haven't used yet? I live in McAllister, Oklahoma. And I've been homeless for like five and a half years and drug addicted. And by listening to BRN over the last five years, Michael Youssef and Charles Stanley, 
Dr. Evans, Robbie Zacharias, it's all good. They've really helped me. I've got my own home now. When I couldn't have did it without Bot Radio Network and the messages that I hear here, I just want to say thank you to the Bot family for broadcasting here in McAllister. Um, <laughs> McAllister, Oklahoma. There's big state prison there. And this is so wonderful, Dad, because Christian radio has the power to reach people at every walk of life. Yeah. And uh, whether they're in prison, we have uh, many prisoners that listen up in Fort Leavenworth in Leavenworth, yeah. Kansas, and, and all over, uh, regardless of where you are, the gospel is for everyone. You know what, Rich? Now, wh- how many years ago was it that you and I were over in St. Louis at a meeting of some ministers, and uh, um, uh, a man came up to us and said it was listening to Bot Radio Network in St. Louis while he was in jail, while he was in prison. He said the previous prisoner had been, uh, what do you do when they let you go? And they uh, sort of He'd thing. been released. But he left the radio in the yep. cell. So he, it was tuned to, to Bot Radio Network there in St. Louis. That's right. And he started listening. And so, <laughs> and he heard the word of God, he and it's the word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when he got out, he wanted to be a minister of the gospel, mm-hmm. and it was a pleasure. Why? Uh, do you remember meeting him and him coming up and telling us about that? All right, now listen, folks. But here's the final thing: uh, we don't know about tomorrow. We don't know about this election. We don't know about the future. Uh, we're but we're Christians. We love the Lord. He's given us his gift of salvation if we just accept it. And uh, so one thing that we can really claim is the words to this song. We don't know about tomorrow, but we sure know who holds tomorrow. Here we go. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine. For its skies may turn to gray I don't worry for the future For I know what Jesus said And today I'll walk beside him For he knows what is ahead All right, well, you know, the time goes by, so give us that number quickly. Our listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you, 1-800-345-2621. All right, and thank God for political leaders like Pastor John DeBerry and so many others across the country. This is a time for people to get serious and say, citizenship demands that I pay attention to what's going on, and it isn't party, it's not politics, it's principle. And each person has to ask themselves, what do I believe and what do I stand for? This is Dick Bott with my son Rich with this chapter, The Complete Story, as a public service, and we'll see you later. 